0: I do think there are dimensions of our faith after 2,000 years that we need to go back and look at and say there seems to be a problem there. Well,
1: I am a Christian who believes that there are certainly many more paths to God other than Christianity. I'm a
0: free-thinking Christian.
1: The church will continue to be even more irrelevant
0: when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago as their best defense. In his newest book, Saving Christianity, Dr. Michael Yusuf exposes the false teachings that are infiltrating churches today and shares the keys to seeing a revival of true Christianity in our day. Don't fall for false faith. Don't settle for less than the truth. Order your copy of Saving Christianity today. It's the most important book of our time. You can call, write or visit us online at ltw.org. This is Leading the Way, the Bible teaching ministry of pastor, author, and popular international Bible teacher, Dr. Michael Yusuf. Today, a challenge to consider whether you're in a growing faith relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, as we begin, if you'd like to talk with someone right now about Jesus, reach out to begin a conversation at ltw.org slash Jesus, ltw.org slash Jesus. Or call us. We would love to have you speak with one of our ministry representatives at one 300 Listen along with me now as Dr. Yusuf shares another message from his life-impacting series on leading the way, healthy living in a sick world.
1: There are so many people who aim at great things and they find themselves settling, that's the word, settling for the lowest common denominator. They start with lofty ideals, but in the course of time, they find themselves settling for much less. I have seen this through the years among Christian believers. They end up settling for mediocrity instead of having the power of the king. They have settled in the trivia. While they could do great things, they remain contented. In a life of compromise, when they could have received the power of royalties. They stay in the shallow end of the Christian life, when in reality they could cross oceans. They live on spiritual junk food instead of the royal banquets. In fact, this is the condition of the church in Corinth. And this is why this message and this series of messages is extremely relevant for us today. The Corinthian believers were so lacking in spiritual maturity that they majored on the minors, and they minored on the majors. We have begun a series of messages, healthy living in a sick world, learning from the errors and the failures of the Corinthian believers. I know that our priorities in life is an indication of our spiritual maturity that our priorities in life is a barometer of our spiritual temperature, our spiritual health, our priorities in life. A clear indication, it's a clear picture of where we are in our walk with the Lord. And the Corinthian believers chose to stay in the spiritual nursery when they could have graduated from college. First Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul uses... A Greek word for the flesh. I want you to memorize it. It's only four letters. And the word he uses for the flesh here is the word sarx. Can you say that with me? It is translated in the English language as the flesh. But in reality, it has nothing to do with this flesh and blood, the body that we live in. We refer to our flesh. We say it's a flesh wound but that word sarks has nothing to do with this body in which we are housed until we receive a new body we go to glory sarks is a word that refers to the old nature before christ came into our lives Sarks is the natural mind before Christ transformed our minds. Sarks is that sinful nature that dominated us before Christ came in. In fact, Psalm 51, verse 5, David said, he said, by that sinful nature I was conceived, and by that sinful nature I was born. And so did every one of us. We all were born with that sinful nature. But when we become born again, when our rebirth takes place, that sinful nature does not disappear, sadly. sarks remain dormant inside of us, always ready to move and act and be stirred up the moment the devil and the world sets him on. I know when that sarks raises its ugly head in me, I know it. I know it, and so are most of you. Beloved, I make no bones about it. I hate the socks in me. I hate it. I hate it. I daily pray that the Holy Spirit of God would fill me to overflowing, that he might drown that socks in me. But that's not an event. That's a daily prayer. In fact, it's a moment-by-moment prayer. I am therefore grateful to the Lord that he has given us three musketeers to defeat those three enemies. He gave us a renewed nature, he gave us his word, and he gave us his Holy Spirit. All of these gifts of God are given to us so that we may live victoriously above the enemies who are trying to get us down. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18... In fact, if you look from verse 18 all the way to 2.16, to the end of chapter 2, you're going to find that the reason the Corinthian believers were not united in Christ, that they were not united in the vision that God gave them, is because they've allowed the sarks to run wild. Look at verses 10 to 13 of chapter 2. Paul said, It is the Spirit of God who helps us to learn and grow and understand the Word of God. Now, I want you to remember this. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate author of the Bible. If I have a choice, I would call it the Holy Spirit's book. It really is. He is the author. He is the ultimate author. He held the hands of the writers as they were writing. Beloved, listen to me. One of the griefs that I have in my soul is that so many evangelical circles today, they are afraid of the Holy Spirit. How can you be afraid of your best friend? It is a fallacy. They read the Bible, which is inspired by and written by the author, but they never go to the author directly and ask him to illumine their understanding so that they may understand and obey what he wrote. No wonder we are in the mess we're in. I can tell you something else. The reason we have pastors today who are going rogue in their biblical interpretation is because long ago they have grieved or quenched or both the Holy Spirit within them. And the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. If you grieve him or you quench him, he might not leave altogether. It will be like the fire that has been doused with water, but there is a, a spark, there is still a spark there, lingering flame there. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. When he's grieved continuously, when he's quenched continuously, he will step aside. And he waits until he's invited back. May his flame be ignited in us today. Make no mistake about it. The Holy Spirit of God either takes control or we take control. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit is rejected, when the Holy Spirit is ignored, when the Holy Spirit is bypassed, when His leading is refused, when His guidance is ignored, we get totally messed up. And Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit is the director of communication in the Godhead, in the Holy Trinity. He knows perfectly the mind of God. Therefore, he is the only one who can explain, he can train, and he can lead us into understanding of the mind of God. Look at verse 11. Who knows the mind of an individual except the individual himself, right? Nobody, listen to me, nobody knows you like you know yourself. Nobody. After nearly 50 years of knowing my wife, I can never stand here and say, I know her perfectly. That would not be true. As a matter of fact, I pity the man who said that he knows the mind of his wife perfectly. I mean, that man is delirious. He needs help. And here it comes. The Spirit of God, who knows the mind of God perfectly, is constantly ready to reveal and illumine our minds through the Word of God. Why? So that we may truly grow and mature. Look at it this way. The Holy Spirit is a flashlight that lightens all the dark areas of our hearts and minds in our lives. And beloved, this is the same Holy Spirit that helps you not only grow in knowledge, but grow in grace. Look at verses 6 to 16. In fact, in those verses, Paul gives us two reasons why we desperately need the Holy Spirit. Two reasons. First of all, because the natural mind can never, 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 never discover the mind of God or the wisdom of God. Secondly, Because God's wisdom can only be received from God's Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of God. And therefore, God's wisdom, Paul said, it is hidden. It's a mystery until the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. And he said, if people in leadership in the time of Jesus, if they had this wisdom, they would never have crucified Jesus But it was hidden from them, and it was hidden from them because that way God was going to reveal his plan of salvation and allow Jesus to go to the cross. Oh, but thank God it is not hidden from the believer who seeks it. Look at verses 9 and 10, chapter 2 again. Here Paul quotes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 4, and chapter 65, verse 17. This is a quote directly from the book of Isaiah, directly from the Old Testament. Look at it with me, please. As it is written, no eyes has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God prepared for those who love him. He is not talking about heaven. A lot of people quote those verses referring to heaven. No. And in the context of this passage, he's not talking about heaven. Here is a reference to the wisdom of God. That God has prepared for the believers who love him and seek him with all of their heart. He is saying that the natural eye and the natural ear and the natural heart and mind cannot comprehend the amazing treasures of wisdom that God has for us. And his wisdom is only prepared for those who love him with all of their hearts. Hear me right. Whether objectively or subjectively, man cannot, 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 cannot discover God's wisdom. Beloved, God's truth cannot be observed by the natural eye. It cannot be observed by the natural ear. No matter how sophisticated, no matter how brilliant the mind is, God's truth, God's plan, God's wisdom is hidden from the natural man. It is hidden from the natural mind, but it is not hidden from His children who seek Him with all of their hearts. Secondly, God's divine wisdom is divinely communicated to us by the Holy Spirit. And the first step he takes is to reveal the wisdom of God and showing us that we are sinners that are going to hell, and we need to be saved. While the Holy Spirit may use human agents, somebody who witnessed to us, somebody who brought you to an evangelistic event, somebody who has done something, God uses human, or the Holy Spirit himself uses human agents. But also, the Holy Spirit used human agents when they were writing the Scriptures. There are certain revelations were given only to them. As they were writing, the Holy Spirit jumped in the ink. Verses 12 and 13. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God, that we may understand what God freely has given us. What is Paul saying? Listen very carefully. He is speaking about the verbal inspiration that the Holy Spirit gave to every one of the writers of the Old and the New Testament. When he talks about we and us here in this particular area, he is referring to the biblical writers who received the revelation and the inspiration directly from the Holy Spirit. It's not just illuminating their mind to understand what is written. He gave them something completely fresh. And this verbal revelation is only given to the scriptural writers. And that is why in 2 Timothy 3, Paul could say, all. How much is this? All. All. Scripture is inspired by God. It is God's breathed. Here he said, All things freely given to us by the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the writers of the Scripture. Now I know it's fashionable among some preachers and teachers to say, Well, you know, I'm not really sure about the Old Testament. I'm not really sure about the Epistle. I, I only take what Jesus said. But even so, there are some offbeat theologians who are now deciding from the Gospels what Jesus really said or what the writers of the Gospel added. Two thousand years later, they're going to figure this out. Well, let's go along just for the sake of going along. If they only want to take what Jesus said, what did Jesus do when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness? You remember that? What did he say? He quotes the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Here's what Jesus said, quoting the Old Testament. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. How many words? Jesus said every word, not some words. Not only the words that we like. Oh, yes. (laughs) Not only the words that we approve of. Not only the words that are acceptable by our society. No. Every word. Look at verse 13. With those spiritual eyes now, I want you to look at verse 13. This is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but words taught by the Spirit. Expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. Beloved, listen. (laughs) Whatever you do... Do not listen to anyone who tells you that some of God's Word needs to be detached from our lives, or that there are some parts of the Bible where we need to be unhitched from its authority. Listen to me. I know there are some people in this church who are criticizing me when I point out the falsehoods that are being preached. And they say, why do you have to do that? Because there's no shepherd worth his sandals that would not warn the sheep when there's poison around. Dissecting, picking, and choosing is only that spirit of rebellion of the age. How does God show this to us who are living on the 21st century Christians? By illuminating our minds. The best example of this is the Pharisees and the scribes the Pharisees and the scribes, they knew the Scriptures backward and forward. Man, they could quote it to you. They memorized it. They knew it. They understood it. They kept all the outward appearance of it. They were the best. But they missed the central message of their Bible. Their Bible from Genesis to Malachi proclaimed that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. And here are the signs, here are the things to look for. And when Jesus came, they missed Him altogether. They failed to recognize that He is the promised Messiah, even though He fulfilled all of the prophetic words that are spoken of Him in all of the Old Testament that they proud themselves of knowing because they really did not even believe Moses. They did not accept the things of the Spirit of God because those things appear to them to be foolishness. Somebody hanging on a cross is going to be my Messiah. I'm looking for a rainbow. Now these scribes and the Pharisees are like those in church pulpits today and on semi reluctance today who doubt the Word of God. God's Word can only be spiritually evaluated. God's Word can only be spiritually discerned. God's Word can only be spiritually understood. And when you reject the Holy Spirit of God or ignore the Holy Spirit of God, regardless of how many seminary degrees you have, the spiritual eyes will not be illuminated. Martin Luther said, The Bible cannot be understood simply by studying or talent you must count only on the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that is why we believe that God's revelation and inspiration were given to the Bible writers, all of them, every single one of them. But His illumination is given to us, who are not Bible writers, who are not Bible doubters, who are not Bible dissectors, And that is why Paul concludes with asking a question. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Anyone foolish enough to take on this responsibility? The answer is no. No. But we have the mind of Christ. When we come under the authority of the Holy Spirit. When we come under the authority of the Holy Spirit's book, only then will we have God's wisdom, will we have God's mind, will we discern the will of God. When we learn to come under, not above, but under the authority of the Word of God. I thought of this particular historian who was writing history and, and he was going to all these little towns in England and, and asks the old timers there, you know, are any of the big names ever born in this country? And He comes to the small town and he asks an old timer and a shopkeeper, he said, um, Are any great men born in this town? And the man thought for a minute and I said, Nope, only babies. <laughs> only babies. And beloved, this is true in the spiritual realm. It really is. No one, when they're born again, immediately become spiritual giants. Doesn't happen that way. We grow into that greatness by submitting day by day by day to the Holy Spirit of God as we are filled day by day by day but that same Holy Spirit, that wind of God that can pull our sails when we ask Him to, as we live under the authority of His book.
0: Healthy Living in a Sick World is Dr. Michael Yusuf's current series on Leading the Way. By the way, we know that not all who listen to this station or this program may be a Christian. So if you've got spiritual questions, reach out to ltw.org slash Jesus. ltw.org slash Jesus. Well, that music means we're just about out of time. But I've got just enough time to invite you back again next time for another edition of Leading the Way. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. You can connect through television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and all of our social media networks. Learn more by going to ltw.org.